welcome to the 141st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 25th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, podcast producer and co-host. How you doing, Corey? Brad, I'm in the best mood right now. I'm in such a good mood. Can I tell you why? Why, sir? I'm dying to know. I know um, we're going to do a quick show, but I want to talk for just a second. I just, uh, last week, I had said on banter last week, I had my motorcycle sent out for repairs. And I remember. I remember. I got it back today, and I thought to myself, all right, it's now or Monday afternoon until I can ride it because I don't, I'm going to be so big, like literally from now until Sunday night, until Monday after work, I'm going to be busy doing shit all weekend. Um, and so I was like, all right, it's now or never, and I want to take it for a ride now. So I got on the bike. I haven't been on it in almost probably close to three years. It's fixed. It's probably in better shape than it's ever been. And I rode it down the street and like all the way around the block to this like little highway that's down the street and then rode it back to the house. And even after taking almost three years off, everything just fell right back into place. And I rode it and I controlled it like I had just ridden it yesterday instead of, you know, almost three years ago. And there's just like this exhilarating like knee-shaking experience of being on a bike because it is terrifying, but it's also exhilarating. And I'm like on that high of just coming off the bike. So I'm just like so excited. I went from having one car to zero cars and now I have two cars. So I'm very happy. I'm very excited. I'm just so pumped to have that bike back in my life. That is exciting. That is exciting. It's unfortunate that we are on a schedule today, which I'm about to mention, because that sounds like something we could dig into. Uh, so you're you're high on like the adrenaline slash endorphin slash you know fear excitement response. <laughs> totally pumped. All your systems you know cranked up to eleven right now. Uh, I'm hoping that's going to lead to a good show. I think it will. I hope so. Absolutely. Uh, I am with you, sir. Let's make it happen. Um, as I just mentioned, folks, uh, before we get rolling here, just a quick heads up that we are really, really tight on time this week. Um, I know we say that a lot, but I actually mean it for <laughs> reals this time. Um, so we are going to skip the banter this week. There is no banter after the closing music. We just don't have the time for it. We're going to just be doing games chat this week. It's going to be a very fast show, and I apologize for that. But better a short episode than none at all. Is that right, Corey? That's absolutely right. And also, just for the record, I feel like the past like four episodes we've come on, we've been like, all right, it's going to be a short show. It's going to be a short show. And they've all been like two to two and a half hours. So even usually when we say that, we still deliver a pretty good length show. But this one is seriously going to be like an hour. So like we got to get to it. Yeah, it's going to be like an hour, like an hour. I've got a couple minutes of wiggle time, but not much because I have some place I absolutely have to be right after this. So let's just Get rid of all this uh, much ado, and let's just get down to the chat, man. Um, bear with us, folks, and uh, thank you for joining us once again. And again, apologies for the uh, brief, brief episode. So anyway, Corey, let's just uh, turn it right to you, man. You uh, played my friend Pedro last week. You gave us you know, a pretty good look at it, um, but apparently you want to circle back and give us a wrap-up? I do. So it's been, um, it's been a few weeks since I talked about this, and I've been kind of steadily playing it a little bit. And... Uh, every once in a while, we talk about this on the show where, you know, we'll we'll play a game for a couple of hours, we'll come on and we'll talk about it, and then, 
you know, maybe we'll never talk about it again, but this is one of those situations where I feel like I need to do my due diligence coming back to the show to talk about this game a little bit, and I'll try to keep this quick. Um, so my friend Pedro is on Switch. It's on PC. It's the 2D side-scrolling, Devolver Digital published, uh, Dead Toast developed. Kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like Max Payne in 2D. It's like running, double pistols, shooting, doing flips. It's totally ridiculous, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but I just wanted to come back and talk a little bit about um, the last time I talked about it, I was pretty high on it. And I do think it's a good game. Um, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to come here and say the game is like shitty or it got really terrible or anything. But I do want to say that it doesn't end as good as it started. So if you're somebody who hasn't bought it yet, um, I would maybe wait for a sale on it because I think it's $20 full price. And I do think it's a good game, but there's like a stretch in the middle where you're in this like kind of like really long sewer level. And I have to give credit to, um, to uh, who, oh, who reviewed this for Game Critics? Was it Darren? Darren, yeah, Darren Foreman. Good Darren friend, Foreman. Darren Foreman. I'm um, reviewed it for Game Critics. And I skimmed his review the other day while I was in the middle of playing it. And he had mentioned somewhere in the review or somewhere in the, the high-low um, WTF or something about how there's like a sewer level that stretches on forever. And I was kind of in the middle of that sewer level whenever I read his review. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like when I went back to the game, I was like, oh, yeah, this actually does feel like it's dragging on forever. And the game doesn't really have that many environments. You have like kind of like a restauranty area at the start. There's a cool like highway, like motorcycle chase thing. And then there's like this super long sewer level in the middle. And then there's like some stuff toward the end that I don't, I'm not going to talk about. Um, but it just kind of left like a slight bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I feel like this game is, a, it's just a little bit too repetitive. And I had talked a few weeks ago about how every level kind of introduced something new to keep uh, it fresh throughout. And I feel like it loses a lot of that steam toward the end of the game. Um, so I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to like shit on it and say it's garbage or whatever, but I just kind of want to make it clear that like the last time I played it, I was pretty high on it. Um, I still think it's a good game, but I do think it's not as good as I initially thought it was having played the whole thing. I wish there was a lot more variety and sort of like level design or maybe even some more variety in weapons or, you know, less like platforming stuff. Cause every once in a while there's like some platforming bits and the platforming bits are not that interesting. Like the stuff that's really fun in the game is whenever you're just like, running your ass off, like, doing these, like, silly wall jumps and flips and, like, shooting dudes and just being silly. And, like, the murdering dudes part of, like, outrageousness is what makes the game really fun. And every once in a while, it does some platforming stuff. And I don't think the platforming stuff is very well executed. It just kind of feels like it's slowing down the game whenever I wish it was going a little bit faster. So initially, I thought it was uh, pretty excellent. I still think it's good. Like, I mean, it's probably, like, a six and a half out of 10, maybe like, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It just gets a little bit drawn out and monotonous in the middle. Um, and it doesn't it, like toward the end, it just loses a little bit of steam. So I just felt like it was my responsibility to come back to the show now that I finished it and say that, you know, it's still good, but it's not maybe as good as I originally reported it. And it's only about five or six hours long. So it's like a decent length. I think it's about five hours long, um, decent length, it banks a little bit on replayability as going back to the levels and like wanting to do these sections to build a higher combo or to get a higher score, almost like a weird kind of Tony Hawk pro skater kind of thing. But after I finished it, I don't feel any desire to go back and play any of the levels. So that's kind of problematic in and of itself. And also a lot of the levels seem so repetitive that if I wanted to go back and play one, there's only like a couple that I feel like really stand out that I could even like definitively remember because a lot of the levels feel so similar to the next one, especially with the sewer section being so long in the middle. 
Um, so I feel like it kind of falls flat in a few areas. Still think it's good, just not as good as I thought it was. And I just wanted to come back and say that because I wouldn't want to lead everybody astray. Hopefully there weren't like a million people that went out and bought the game after I said so earlier and then got pissed whenever it wasn't as good as I said it was earlier. So please, if you were interested before and haven't bought it, I would maybe hold off for a sale and then pick it up. Uh, and I think that's, that's all I have to say. You bring up a couple of good points. And one thing <clears throat> is kind of a meta issue and that doing a games podcast as we do, I mean, I know that I definitely feel a little bit of pressure to kind of bring something new to the show every week. Um, I, I don't know if you do or not. I mean, do you often feel like that, Corey? Yeah, I do, because we, I feel, I feel like, and I, I'm sure you feel this too, that if we come back to the show and keep talking about the exact same game over and over and over again, I mean, hey, write, write in and tell us if you agree or disagree, but I personally would get really bored, unless there's something like new and fresh to talk about with the game, you know, maybe like some DLC or a new level or something, I would get pretty bored if I came back and listened to our show and you and I brought up the same like two games like several weeks in a row. And I know we're guilty as charged with doing it before, but I feel like we always try to have something new to say about it. Um, so I definitely do feel a pressure to talk about new stuff every week. Yeah, I mean, I feel basically exactly the same. And the problem, the problem with this is that I'm a kind of guy who likes to finish games. And so a lot of games are, are long, right? So like, even a game that's like 10 or 15 or 20 hours, while some people may say that's not really a quote unquote long game because you've got those like certain section of gamers out there who, if they don't spend a hundred hours, feel like they got ripped <laughs> off. Right. Which is kind of insane when you think about it, when you have perspective in relation to like the real world and relationships and like work and life and stuff like that. <laughs> so I think that we kind of fall into a trap as podcasters where I very often want to see a whole game before I give my final judgment because exactly what you just described happens. Like it's very well documented that developers often spend the most time on the first opening hours. And so everybody who plays the game generally has like a really good positive opinion. Oh yeah. The first three hours were like super awesome. I had a great time. It was really well paced. It was really fun. But, and then, and then developers often ignore the back half of the game because very few people statistically ever get there. So why would they spend all this time on a game if people are not going to see it, but for people like us, when we finish a game or especially if we recommend a game, when we feel that responsibility of like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to recommend anything unless it's awesome all the way through. I would hate to recommend something on the basis of a really strong first three hours. And if it tanks in the back end, I would feel really bad if somebody spent their money because I signed off on something without seeing the whole thing, which is kind <laughs> of like what you're describing here. The whole reason you came back to talk about my friend Pedro, which makes sense. But at the same time, the, the opposite side of that problem is that, if we literally finished every game that we played for the show, we would talk about the same game for like four shows in a row because we would take <laughs> us that long to finish it. And so we're constantly like starting something new for the show. And I don't think that very often we finish it unless it's really shorter, unless we really, really, really like it. So, I mean, there's, I do start a lot of stuff for the show that I don't finish. And I try not to give like my wholehearted recommendations to those, or at least to be upfront about saying how much I played. But that's kind of a problem, man. I mean, it's really it's really kind of tough, you know? You come on last week, you, you love Pedro. You come on this week, eh, a little, little less in love with Pedro. But I feel you, and I'm actually really glad you came back because I think that's probably the best we can do given the circumstances. I mean, you can only play so much. You can only do so much. And unless we're going to bore our listeners in the ground, I mean, we've got to cover <laughs> something. So I feel for you, man. I'm really glad you came back and wrapped this up. Yes, thank you. Me too. Because this, I mean, basically everything you said, I pretty much agree with. I mean... It's totally like first world podcaster problems. You know, people who don't host podcasts maybe not realize that these are things that podcasters often think about. And I'm sure people that do like 
YouTube videos and stuff have the same problem where, you know, like they don't want to be streaming. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Do streamers want to be streaming the same game every night? I don't know. I don't stream, so I'm not sure. But I don't think I would want to stream the same game for like days and days and days and days and days. But I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong about that. But yeah, it's kind of like first world podcaster problems. But I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I'm not, like, complaining about, oh, I have to play so many games, but at the same time, it's like, I, I guess I'm just really concerned because I, I do get a little bit worried about coming off really high on a game, knowing that I'm probably not going to finish it by the time we record the next time, and then people out there who are on a budget, just like I am, just like you are, you know, if you have to make a decision, and if we influence somebody to, to get into something that ends up not being great, I would I feel really bad about that, so... We do our best, folks. We do our best. We try to be as transparent as possible, um, especially on a day like today when Corey comes back and is just, you know, filling us in uh, about further impressions. So I'm really glad you did that, Corey. Just one really, really quick question, and then let's get off of Pedro because we are on the clock. Um, <laughs> is there nothing to unlock or there's no reason to go back to it except for score chasing? Like there's no new costumes or new levels to unlock or anything like that? First of all, lol at get off of Pedro. And second of all, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I don't think there's not, to my knowledge, there wasn't like a new game plus or like extra costumes or like cheat codes you could turn on and off. Cause this would be a fun game if they did like a Celeste type thing where it's like turn on infinite health or infinite slow-mo or infinite ammo. Like that would make it really fun. And who knows, maybe they'll like patch something in in the future like that. But as far as I know, once I finished it, um, I think it's that you have the level select, so you can go back and play any individual stage you want to play. But I don't think there's anything other than topping your high score slash experiencing the same levels again to bring back to it, to my knowledge right now. That is totally not enough for me, so I can... I can extrapolate this probably not enough for you since you're not too excited about going back to it either. So that's unfortunate. It seems like that's a kind of game where if you had a little something to strive for, maybe it would give you enough of a reason to go back. But for me, just getting a, a higher score, oh, snore, so boring. <laughs> More All right, like let's a move higher on. snore, am I right? <laughs> higher snore, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm glad you got that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you didn't let that on, leave that on the table. It's really good. Never. Uh, that's, why we're, that's why we're good buddies here on the show. <laughs> Uh, all right, quickly, let's move on. I'm kind of keeping an eye on the clock here. Uh, I want to talk about 1980X, 198X, which is put out by Hybit Studios. It was a Kickstarter game, I'm pretty sure. And I, I think these guys are from the region of the world that always gets me in trouble. I don't, I can't remember if it's like Scandinavia or Sweden or Denmark <laughs> or Norway. Like all those beautiful blonde people over there. I just, I can never remember which one is which. I'm sorry, people. I don't mean to paint you all with the same brush. I know that you're very different in your own ways, but... I'm just a dumb American. What can I do? Um, this came out, I think, it's last stu- week. Stu- Stockholm, Sweden, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Uh, it came out, I think, last week on PSN. I'd heard a couple people talking about it in really positive terms, but I hadn't heard a lot about it. I think uh, Carolyn Pettit, who was on Twitter, I think was saying that uh, she really enjoyed it. And I think there was like one other person. I think... Uh, couple folks so i'm like okay this this pops up no buzz no chatter nothing which is is pretty cool i like getting to a game that i don't don't know anything about i think that the process of discovery is really good uh it was only like i think 10 bucks pretty sure it was 10 bucks which is totally within my experimental price point you know like i could drop <laughs> 10 bucks on i'm not rich but like i was i had some money that week and i wanted to get something for the show and i'm like this looks like a good thing to talk about popped for it and, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, the, the premise of it is kind of strange. It's like, I don't want to say it's like a walking sim because it's totally not. But it's like an art house game where it's kind of broken up into two sections. One section 
is the story of a person who you don't know what their gender is or what their name is, um, but they're living in the suburbs and they're kind of like having trouble at home, like mom and dad are not getting along. They're not getting along at school, getting picked on at school. They don't really have a place to fit in. So for me, that story of my life, that's literally me in that game. I'm like, I, I identified like right away. Um, I mean, I knew what gender I was, but the rest of it was like <laughs> totally, totally, that was me. Could have been me. Um, so this person ends up like walking around aimlessly uh, in the town that they live in, which was a small town, and they find this like arcade. And so they go down the arcade and there's all these other, the game calls them like, you know, quote unquote, like cool losers, you know, like, like the main character who don't fit in except among themselves. They hang out and talk and, um, you know, smoke cigarettes and play arcade games. And that's where this person finds their, I don't know about their meaning or about their purpose, but they find a place to fit in basically. So half the game is cutscenes, uh, 2d hand drawn cutscenes, which are gorgeous. The cutscenes are really beautiful. The pixel work is really well done. Very strong, um, visual appeal. And then after you watch a cutscene, it goes into as if you were that person playing that video game in the eighties. And so it cuts to like a 2d arcade style action game. The first one is like a 2d beat em up, like final fight or something like that, or streets of rage. Uh, there's a driving game, which is kind of like outrun or something like that. There's a ninja game, which is kind of vaguely reminiscent of Shinobi. There's a first person dungeon crawl, which I guess is reminiscent of whatever was on PC at the time back then. And I think there's one more. Oh, yeah, 2D shoot 'em up, which is kind of like uh, Gradius or R-Type or something like that. Um, so it cuts to these little brief sections of playing these arcade games. So, like, you're watching a cutscene. The person's talking about their life and their experience. They're getting kind of depressed. They go to the arcade. And then it cuts to what they're playing at the arcade. And you're playing that game. So it kind of goes back and forth between that, which is a neat little setup. The arcade, the arcade parts are really well done. I mean, they're short. They're very short. And they're not super deep. Um, you know, most of the time the, the controls are just like moving around with the D-pad or the joystick and just one, maybe two buttons and that's it. Like very straightforward. If you've um, ever played um, anything similar to these games or if you've played a retro collection or something like that, you have a pretty good idea of what it's like. But they're all pretty well done. They're all not too hard, although you do need a little bit of skill to get through them. I had to repeat a couple sections a few times, um, especially the racing one, because I'm terrible at racing games. <laughs> um, but you play these games, and then after you finish a section, the sections usually run about, I don't know, five, ten minutes or something per arcade game. Then you go back to another cutscene, and then the story kind of progresses. So, like, overall, I really like what this game is doing. The graphics, I think, are great. Really beautiful artwork. Pixel work is beautiful. Um, the music, uh, the music. I don't talk... How often do I talk about music, Corey, on the show? You literally never talk about music i literally never talk about music <laughs> and the music in this game is fucking awesome i was like oh my god like this is like the best music i i wanted to immediately buy the soundtrack because i was just like it was just so good like it was on point um they hired very famous uh composer yuzo koshiro who is famous for streets of rage and a bunch like a ton of games from like the uh, 80s and 90s and, and is still working in the field so they brought uh, Yuzo on, and of course, like, you know, Signature Style is on full display. I mean, the, the tunes are just, like, rocking, dude. Like, really, really good. And I, I don't say that lightly. I never talk about music. I don't get bowled over by any old any old song. So these are really good songs. Voice work was really good. Um, so overall, it's great. But I think 
the th there's a, so there's a couple problems. The first problem is full disclosure. Like a lot of the reason why I really connected to this game was because this was kind of telling the story of my own life. Like I lived the kind of life this person had. I went to arcades. I, you know, was having trouble at home. I didn't have a place to fit in. So all of that really connected with me. And I'm sure it'll connect with other people as well who grew up in the, um, you know, 80s and 90s. Uh, but for people who did not have that experience, I'm not sure that there's a lot there for them. Um, it's playing off of nostalgia, playing off of shared experience. So if you're a person who, like, has never been to an arcade, which is very possible since arcades are very scarce these days, not nearly as common as they used to be, uh, I, I think it's very possible that you could play this and go, what is, what is the point? Like, I don't get it. Um, the other problem is that this is a very brief game. Now I am not one who wants a hundred hours from a game, but this game is like 90 minutes long. So between half of the game being cutscenes and the other half being very brief sections of arcade game where you basically just have a little section like that. You can't go back and like play more or anything like once you finish it that's all there is like there's nothing left to do you know so I wasn't too upset about not having more to play but when you get to the end of the story after like I said 90 minutes um I, like nothing really gets resolved you don't really come to like any kind of conclusion uh and a screen pops up that just says to be continued and I'm like man okay look like I know you guys <laughs> kickstarted this I know you probably wanted to make it bigger I appreciate that they, like, what they did was great, and it's very well-focused, and there's no fat on this game and all that. Like, they didn't overreach. But at the same time, you got to kind of, like, act like you're maybe not going to get to make a sequel and maybe tell a little bit more of the story, especially since it's just hand-drawn art and voice work. You didn't have to actually program a lot of, you know, more games. So it comes to the end of the story very, just, like, abruptly, and I honestly thought this was going to be some kind of a an LGBTQ story. Like I thought the character was going to be a trans character who found the, the strength to, to, to come out, or maybe they were going to be a gay character and came out or, or something. Cause like just the way this, the story is kind of leaning, it kind of seems like this person is like, Oh, you know, like I want to find myself. I want to find a place where I belong. I want to feel more happy and comfortable. I mean, it's totally setting itself up for like, like one of those kind of stories, which would have been totally fine. I was ready for it. I was like, okay, cool. Let's go there. Let's do it that doesn't happen doesn't happen um so i was very surprised i thought that was totally in coming and it just didn't it just ends there's nothing left to play there's nothing left to see uh nothing left to do and it's just a really brief experience it's not often that i say i wish a game was longer i almost never say that but in this particular case i wish it was longer at least to give us a little bit more of the story at least one or two more scenes where they could have wrapped up on a better note and just let me walk away feeling satisfied because when something pops up and it's just like a to be continued, it's like, man, it feels like a really cheap way to end the game. Also, I do have to say full disclosure. Um, it's not going to matter too much to people who are listening to this podcast, but there are no options and no subtitles in this game at all. And half of the game is listening to this character talk about their inner feelings. If you are a deaf player or a player who has hearing problems, you turn on this game and you're staring at the screen and you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Because it's just a person talking. You're not going to know what's happening. You're not going to know what the fuck the point of the game is. And then it's going to play out and take you to an arcade game where you're not going to be expecting it. And then you, if you finish that arcade game, you're going to come back to like a scene where you don't know what's going on. And I'm like, <laughs> man, cutscenes. I mean, subtitles are so easy. They're so simple. There's no excuse. Uh, you should just do the subtitles. I tweeted the developers and I'm like, what the fuck you guys, there's no subs. And they responded and they're like, yeah, we're a Kickstarter. 
we're really small. We didn't have the time and the money. And like, I get it. Okay. Like I get it. You didn't have enough money. Not really an excuse. Like if you plan for this from the beginning, you can find people to do it for you for super cheap. There's programs that can help you do it. It's not that big of a deal. And to see that they totally left it out, really left a bitter taste in my mouth because, um, you know, I had to actually listen. Like if anything was going on in the background, I couldn't hear it. I had to like turn my headphones up really high so I could hear it. And I couldn't, you know, I wanted to play this like at night. And so like if anything, my you know wife's watching TV or my son's playing a game or something, I can't hear what's going on. I usually rely on subtitles for that. So really shitty they left the subtitles out. Not cool, you guys. Not cool. Even for a small Kickstarter, you can fucking put some subtitles in, all right? You can fucking do it. But overall, if you were a person like me who grew up in that time in the 80s or 90s, went to arcades, if you did not feel like you fit in very well when you were growing up, got beat beat up at school and bullied and stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot of good emotion here. Like, it doesn't go too deep, but I think that you'll connect, you'll get the sense of what they're doing. It's almost like a snapshot of, like, a mood and a period in time, which, if, if, if that's familiar to you, will be great. But on the other hand, if that's not your story, that's not your scene, I don't think there's a lot here. And it doesn't even tell, like, the queer story. It doesn't even come to, like, a conclusion. So I feel like it's a really kind of ah, just unfinished piece of work. And I like it, but there needs to be more. It needs to be longer. It needs to go deeper. It's just not, just not enough, really. Questions, thoughts, Corey? Um, <clears throat> first of all, the music in Streets of Rage is rad as fuck, and I feel really bad for anybody who's too young listening to the show who doesn't, who didn't play Streets of Rage. So that alone makes me excited to like look into this game in the future. Um, the other thing, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna totally pull a U on you and ask you like what the point of this game was, but I don't really know if you know what the point of this game is either. <laughs> so like, I don't know like if that's even worth asking, um, but you can answer that in a second if you if you have input. But the last thing I want to say is um, this game sounds like, like if you took, um, you know, the game that you didn't like, but I liked Ruiner, which was on, uh, it's on like all consoles and PC. That's like the Devolver Digital, like isometric kind of shooty, stabby game that has really great music. Um, it sounds to me like if this game, like if Ruiner was a game and then in between missions, like this game is what the Ruiner hero would do on his time off. And if they like meshed those games together, um, that would be dope. That would be super dope, dude. That would, that's a really good call because this is a, this would be a good fit because Ruiner had like it has some pretty decent gameplay, but like there just was like no fucking story. And this this, this kind of has a good story. and It's kind of the same tone to it i don't know why you put those two things together but i think they do go together that would be great if you just did a mashup that would be awesome yeah i'm just thinking about like because ruiner has like you have the individual missions but it has like the home base area that's just kind of this cool like kind of like neo tokyo cyberpunk like downtown mm -hmm, area mm -hmm. and i just imagine like the cool ruiner dude like finishing his mission taking his like cool ass motorcycle into the parking garage and like taking his helmet off and then like smoking a cigarette to the arcade and then like enter 1980x game and then like once you finish the mission there or the the gameplay the mini game or whatever then he like hops back on his cool motorcycle and then it's the next mission in ruiner like it seems like a, a mare like even not having played this game it seems to me like my mind immediately went there as like a marriage of these two games would seem like the perfect like synergy I'm going to need you to write an email to these developers <laughs> like immediately and I need you to just tell them that exact thing that you just said look guys just take Ruiner and just steal it. Just steal that code <laughs> and include it in the, the quote-unquote, like, ultimate edition of your game and then put that out and you've got a much better game happening there. I don't know why you put that together, but that absolutely works for sure. So, 
Um, and your question was what? Like, what was the game about? Is what you said? Yeah. Like, what? Like, what is the the point of it? Like, is there like an actual story, or is it just like the mini games and that's it? No, that is literally it. Like, it's the, <laughs> it's the person. It's the person who's like, I don't, I don't feel happy. My parents are fighting. I don't fit in. I'm upset. And then you play an arcade game, and then you come back to the person, and they're like, still feeling down. Nothing to do. I'm gonna play another arcade game, and they go do it. And you do that like five times, and then it's like to be continued. So like it feels like the story is like just getting going when it's over, and they don't get to like really dig deep into the character. They don't do anything else with it, which is kind of why it, I, it felt more like a like 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 a tone poem or like a snapshot or just like a, a piece of art where they're just trying to give you a mood rather than to tell you a whole story or, to give you a complete experience because it's just it's so brief. And it's over so quick. Like, it's just, there's just no time to build anything, really. Um, so, anyway. Let's move on really quickly. I'm looking at the clock, and I want to save at least 20 minutes for our discussion of the secret game. Uh, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, <laughs> folks, but I do. I am bringing a secret game to the show that Corey does not know what it's going to be. And I really, really want to talk about that with him. <laughs> so, let's, let's jump back to you, Corey, for the next 10 minutes and give us your early impressions of Metro Exodus. Yeah, so um, if listeners will remember, this is the game that I got from Gamefly like a month or two ago, and it would not work in my PlayStation 4, and I sent it back. I got Days Gone instead, despite telling them that I wanted another copy of Metro Exodus. I sent Days Gone back because I didn't want to play it anymore, and then they sent me Metro Exodus again. So, you know, one game off is not bad. So my track record with the Metro games, just to sum this up real quick, um, I've tried Metro 2033, and I've tried whatever one is after that metro i don't know what the other one's called and i didn't like either of them i didn't finish either of them i played the first one for about an hour and i played the second one for about an hour and i just couldn't really get into them and the games kind of seem like they should be up my alley which i'm always confused about why i can't get into them and so you know try as i might you know i i wanted to try metro exodus because i'd heard good things about it i mean i think it got decent reviews um, people were buzzing about it on Twitter a little bit. So I got it, I started playing it. And for those unfamiliar, the Metro games, they're based on uh, a Russian book series. And it's basically like a post-apocalyptic thing. I mean, surprise, surprise. It's, uh, you're living in Russia. There was like a nuclear war that happened. All of the people who are there are now living in the Metro, as the title would suggest, because that's where the safe, uh, there's no radiation in the Metro. So they kind of like reconfigured the Metro tunnels of Russia into a home for everybody. So everybody lives down there. It's very dark. It's very dank. And you go out to the surface every once in a while. And there's like monsters and stuff because like things mutated from the nuclear like radiation and everything. So it's like a first person shooter. That's like a little bit tactical, a little bit scary, a little bit um, fallouty where it's not quite open world, I wouldn't say, but it has kind of big environments you can explore. Um, and so I tried Metro Exodus and I put it in and it, I think it does the thing that I don't like from the other Metro games. And I want to sum this up. Like, you start, I started Metro Exodus, and the opening segment is wonderful. You're like by yourself, you're in these gross tunnels, there's nobody with you. You're like, it's kind of almost like an alien isolation type feel where, like, you know, there's some kind of something around you because you can hear it like, scurrying in the tunnels around you. And of course there's like dead trains and like, you know, debris buildup everywhere. So there's like stuff going on behind it. And despite the fact that you have this like pretty substantial like shotgun or machine gun or something, 
like I was still like creeping around and taking steps very slowly and you have a gas mask on and the gas mask, um, like the glass or plastic part of the, the eyepiece, like will kind of fog up whenever you're running or it'll get like wet and there's literally a button. You can tap L1 and he'll like wipe the gas mask screen, which I think is wonderful because it's just this weird like claustrophobic tension building thing. And so I'm like creeping around these tunnels and like I'm scared. And then like, you know, the monsters kind of start appearing and I don't even know how to explain them. They're just these weird, like, kind of like, almost like a liquor from Resident Evil, but kind of like bigger, but with not a long tongue. And they're like brown and really gross. And then they like start attacking you and it gets really scary. And then like the mission is over. And I was like, wow, that was a really strong, uh, strong opening. Like it looked beautiful. It was really intense. You know, I felt like I was fighting for my life and I really had to like creep around every corner and like turn on my flashlight and wipe my gas mask down because everything was scary and I couldn't see. And then it, you get to the next section and it's like this really long cutscene, And it's kind of like, it does a half-life thing where the game never leaves your first person view. Like you're always looking through the eyes of, uh, of Artyom. And so you're like meeting all these people and like they don't really introduce and maybe it's because they're introduced in the other games and I just didn't play them enough. But you're like meeting like a general and like his daughter is like your wife or girlfriend and like they don't like really introduce them. And then he like comes out of the infirmary and he's like high fiving all these soldiers and like I don't know who any of them are. And then it's like and then it immediately jumps into the next mission and it's like, and it does the same thing that the second Metro game did that really pisses me off where the, the second like proper mission of the game is basically you and your, your like wife or girlfriend. And it's basically just like, uh, Hey, follow me around this level mission. And the second game did this exact same thing where the entire first hour is just you partnered with this AI character and you're basically following them around through this level for an hour. And I don't like that. Like, I want to play the game on my own terms. This is why I like Deus Ex and I like Prey and I like Dishonored because it's just you and you play the game on your own terms. And I don't like this whole follow a character around and, you know, kind of do whatever they say. And the game just, like, has really bad dialogue to kind of, like, fold in tutorials. Like, you, like, jump down this pit and your girlfriend says something like, really basic that you would know like she's like oh don't forget to like turn on your flashlight or something and i'm like bitch i've been out here like of course i know how to turn on my fucking flashlight <laughs> so it just like that like they could have just written it better and like the writing is just like not good for me and it's weird because it's like based on a fucking book so you think the writing would be better and then like once i got past that there's this whole like train sequence that's like weird and then after you like the train gets to a certain part you're in this like, this like train, like the the front train area where the engine is, and you're suddenly sort of like there with these other, like your wife and her dad and these other soldiers. And it's kind of sort of like you banding together almost a little bit like, um, like a Mass Effect type thing where it's like a home base area and then you leave to go do missions. And then like on the first mission, whenever you get out on the train, the general's like, it's like a bunch of dudes and then it's you and your wife. And he's like, oh, I can't remember the wife's name. He's like, why don't you go assist him on the mission? And I'm like, I mean, I, I don't, this is going to make me sound really anti-feminist, but like, if you have a bunch of like military dudes on a train, like why would you send your daughter, like the one woman on the train who you should probably want to protect the most to go on the mission with her husband? Like, Please, I don't... please tell me she doesn't get killed immediately no, to no, no, give no. you motivation <laughs> to play the rest of the game. She doesn't. And that's what I was, I was kind of waiting on that. I mean, maybe she does later down the game. I haven't played enough to, to do that. But she like goes on the first mission with you. And then there's like a certain point where she just kind of like, 
stops following you, which on one hand I was like, okay, I'm finally getting what I want because I'm able to like play it on my own terms. But on the other hand, I'm like, why the fuck did her dad send her out here if she's like not going to follow me through the whole mission? Like it's just this weird dynamic of like, why send her out if she's not going to accompany for the whole mission? But also I'm relieved because she's not following me for the whole mission. So like I felt bad, but I also felt like I was getting what I want. And, like, one of the things but about the... Does, does she die, like, if she doesn't follow you? Do you have to, like, babysit her? No, you, that's the good thing. You don't have to babysit her. Like, she she just okay. kind of, like, stays back by the train and, like, lets you go sort of into this, like, dangerous area. And there's it's not like a Resident Evil 5 thing, thank God, where you have to, like, babysit the other character and, like, inventory manage and, like, heal them all the time. Like, they are their own person. And as far as I know, you don't have to, like, heal them or look after them or anything, which is well, definitely, good. yeah, a big thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but I just, I want to be doing the things by myself. Like, I don't want somebody to be ordering me around all the time. And, like, the game also has this big dynamic where you can do, like, like kind of like a stealth versus assault, like a Far Cry kind of thing. And I got to, like, an enemy base type of area where I had to, like, I could either, like, sneak around and, like, knock everybody out or I could, like, you know, go in guns blazing or whatever but the stealth is, like, not very good because the game doesn't really give you any tools to use to, like, be stealthy appropriately. And so, and one thing that made me roll my eyes is, like, I got to this enemy base. And, of course, it's, like, a religious cult. And they're talking about how technology is a sin. And I'm like, okay, how, like, unoriginal can you get? Like, this is, like, the most rote item. And, like, first of all, a, po- a post-apocalyptic game is already the most rote, like, thing with, like, zombies or whatever. And then you have, like, this religious cult that's talking about how technology is a sin. It's just, like, they're just adding one, like, bad trope on top of another on top of another. And I end up getting seen, and then I'm, like, trying to run through and, like, knock out these dudes because you don't have a tranquilizing weapon if you you either shoot them to death or you run up and punch them and knock them out. And you know me, I'm trying to be, like, the not-killing guy, so I'm, like, running up to all these dudes and, like, punching them out. And then at a certain point, I just get fed up and I start murdering them because there's so many people that I can't feasibly punch all of them. And then they start surrendering, which is really interesting because that's not a thing people usually do in games where they surrender. Like, they understand that they're overpowered and they start surrendering. And, like, I get through the mission and then, like, the, the general dude tries to send me into the next area and I can't figure out how to get to the next area because there's, like, water between me and the area I need to get to and the guy can't swim And I was on a rowboat earlier, but I can't find the rowboat anywhere. So I, like, don't know where to go or how to get where I'm supposed to go because the place is on an island and I can't swim. And it's just, like, it's one of those games where, and we talk about this on the show a lot, where, like, if something gets too hard, you just give up. And that's kind of where I'm at with this game because it's not too hard per se, but the game is just so dull and uninteresting that I'm kind of looking for any excuse that I can to stop playing it. And like the me not, yeah. And like the me not being able to cross the water is the thing where I'm just like, okay, like I'm too lazy. I shouldn't have to go look up a walkthrough to figure out how to get across this fucking water. (laughs) So like, maybe I'll just stop playing. And it's a bummer because like this game has a lot of mechanics that I think I should love. Like it looks absolutely gorgeous. The post-apocalyptic world that they build on the surface is actually really incredible because it's kind of snowy It's kind of industrial. It's not all, like, brown and gray, like the fallouts. And it just, like, the shooting feels good. Like, the guns feel good. And But I just, like, it just doesn't quite click with me. And I I just wish it did, but it's just, like, a little bit too dull. I don't care about the story. The characters are not getting characterized in a way that makes me care about them. So I just, like, try as I might. You know, I guess I'm, like, 0-3 or whatever. I just cannot get into the metros. And I wish I could, but... 
I just can't. I can't do it, and I feel bad, but I can't do it. Okay, super. This is super interesting. I want you to remember all of that stuff that you just said, <laughs> because ironically, even though you don't know what game I'm going to talk about, like the shit that you just said, totally could have been me talking about this game. <laughs> so hold on to what you just said. We're gonna just we're gonna immediately segue into secret game because I think that these two things are going to dovetail really nicely. Secret game. So Corey, secret game, <laughs> secret game. So Corey, you you don't know, folks. Corey does not know. You oh. do not know what game I'm going to talk about, do you? I have my suspicions, but I don't know. What is, Okay, what's your suspicion? I my suspicions are that you played Prey a lot, or you played System Shock Two, or I don't. Those are the only two I can think of that you would have played because it would be stuff I wouldn't expect you to play that you would come back that we would have a discussion about. Okay, so those are good guesses, very good guesses, but it's actually neither one of those games. <laughs> I actually I thought for sure you're going to guess this because I mentioned it on last week's show. Oh, damn it! I finally played Soma. I started Soma! it up and uh, played through. So you like this game, don't you? Oh, God, I love this game. Yes. Okay, good, good. I'm really glad because I thought that you loved it. I had a, fr- I had a little bit of free time between review obligations, which is pretty rare. And I'm like, oh, my God, my calendar's clear. I can play literally any game that I want to. And I don't need to write anything about it. I don't need to do anything with it. I can literally just play a game. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is a perfect time. I'm going to jump into Soma because it's been – we talked about it last week a little bit. And I know a lot of people speak really highly of it. And I thought, you know, okay, this is a good time to just get into it. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. If I do like it, great. And I'll end up talking about it on the show. So here we are. I played Soma on the Xbox One. I play... Okay, so let me just back it up a little bit. For people that don't know, Soma comes from Frictional Games, who put out... Amnesia Dark Descent. Amnesia, which scared Penumbra. the pants off of so many people. Penumbra. Uh, other game. They, they do the slow burn kind of horror walk around sort of a thing. Um, not usually my genre, but I've heard so many good things about this game, particularly about the story being really cool. So I got into it. Um, so basically like, okay, uh, spoiler warning. I should probably do a spoiler warning because I feel like I'm about to say something that's really spoilery. (laughs) So folks, um, we didn't do a spoiler warning earlier because this was secret, but I'm going to talk about Soma. You don't want this game spoiled for you if you're going to play it. There's a lot of stuff that's really cool that, that could easily be spoiled, so if you're going to play Soma, which I think you probably should, do not listen to this segment until you've, until you've played it. So stop right now, pause, don't continue listening, just bookmark this and come back after you're done, because there will be no, no holds barred. I'm going to give the entire thing away, and it's, it's worth experiencing. Oh, boy. So, okay, so there you go. There's your spoiler warning. I am so, okay. I'm so nervous that you're going to say you hate this game and that it's garbage. So, okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I think uh. this game is a super interesting game. I think this is super interesting. Uh, for people that don't know, Soma is a first-person um, spooky game where you walk around creepy hallways. Um, the game begins, you're a guy who's had some brain damage, and so he goes to a doctor because he needs to get a scan of his brain. Uh, he goes inside of a scanner, and then something weird happens. And when the scanner is removed, he is no longer in the doctor's office. He's in, like, a future sci-fi, I don't know, like, <laughs> station of some kind. And there's like robots and weird shit going on and no one's around and he doesn't know what happened. So you play as this guy and he's walking around and he's got to figure out where is he, what's going on, what happened, what is the story. And you kind of figure it out as you go. So I don't even know where to even start with this, but I will tell you, I think it is fucking interesting just this game as a whole because the developers put it out. I mean, they're well known for doing the spooky, um, disempowering sort of a game uh, because you can't attack anything. And there are creatures which can harm you. And so you need to like either hide from them or run away. And it also does the thing where you can't look at them. I heard about this, 
That did not sound at all good to me. <laughs> but they eventually put out a patch because so many reviews were saying, this game is so great, but I hate the combat or I hate the running away and I hate the monsters. This game would be better without that. And so they're like, okay, cool, let's do that. And they did it. So props to Frictional for doing that. They they released a patch, which is called, I want to say it's like the no combat. I think or it's the, the, passive. the safe mode patch. Safe mode. Yeah, I think that's safe mode. So you turn on safe mode, and no monsters in the game can hurt you or kill you. They're still there. You just there. play the game. They're still there. They're still there. Yeah. They're still there. But instead of killing you, they just, like, they make noise, or they make your screen go a little bit they funny. They, like, chest bump you a little bit, you know. They give you a high five. They're like, <laughs> oh, thanks for playing our game. Um, they do that kind of a thing. But they can't kill you, so you can, you can forget about dying. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like more my speed. I'm going to jump in on safe mode and play this. So it's interesting that this all happened, because I will tell you, Corey... I I played about six hours of this game. I, so about about halfway, about halfway. I looked uh, uh, I got I looked up an FAQ. I got about halfway. And I full disclosure, I, I did not finish this game. But I was so curious that I went ahead and I just read like a, a summary of the story. And I think the story is awesome. I think the story is like so good. And even though I didn't see the back half of the story, I still was like, damn, that is a fucking kick-ass story. I think that story is great. But I don't like the way it plays. Like, I think it's terrible to play. And I'll tell you why. So, like, they obviously designed this game to be a runaround and hide game. So there's a lot of sequences where all you're doing is, like, dodging things. Like, you're trying to dodge the monsters. Um, it's very obvious where you're supposed to be, like, hiding and scared, right? And so there's lots of places where it's really dark. The hallways are all kind of similar. They're intentionally confusing because they want you to be scared running around and running away from these things. And I don't like doing that. I don't like that gameplay. I don't like those sections because it was pretty obvious that's all they're there for. It's just to make you, you know, they want you to die a couple times. They want you to struggle through to get killed a couple times and come back. That's what those sequences are obviously for. I don't think those are good. I don't think those are interesting. And I got to be frank with you. I got really disoriented in this game, like hardcore. I was often going in circles and doubling back on where I was going. And I had just the hardest time figuring out where to go. Now, maybe that's just my own brain. I mean, obviously other people have played this and had no problems, but for me, I, nothing was distinct enough in the environment. It was just like gray hallways. Everything's like really super dark. Everything looks kind of the same. And I just, I kept getting lost and that was getting really frustrating to me. I had to look up an FAQ several times because I just couldn't figure out where to go. Or like, I'd have to watch a video to be like, okay, left turn here and then right turn here and then go this other place. And these places are not that big, but they just didn't, stand out to me in my brain. I just, I could not navigate these spaces in a very like negative way. Um, and also, uh, the game is overall, I mean, I think I've seen estimates of about 10 to 12 hours or so. Um, if you took out the parts of where they want you to run around, and be scared by the monsters and stuff, I bet this game would be like half as long. And I gotta be honest with you, dude, like the story is fucking awesome. And I really am kind of sad that I didn't play the whole game because it's really, really good. But I wish this game was like half the time. I wish they told... <laughs> The entire story in half the time, cut out the monsters, cut out the, the running around and being scared in the hallways and just told the story. That would be an amazing fucking game because this story is so fucking cool. Like, I really, really dig it. Um, so, like, basically, just for the people listening, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but basically it talks about recording someone's self as a digitized copy. And then what happens to that person when their body dies and you upload that consciousness into like a robot or into a computer? Is it still human? 
And if you make a copy of that copy and they're both active, which one is the real one? Are they both the real one? What does that mean for you as a person? I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. And just reading the reading the summary, I'm like, damn, this is this is great science fiction. I love this. This is so interesting. I just could not get through the game. Like I just I was so sick of being in really, 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 really dark hallways and walking in circles and dodging the monsters. I thought that was like horrifically boring and flipping switches. Like I thought it was terrible. But the story and the characters were great. Characters were great. Voices were great. Story super fascinating, but I just I couldn't get through it, man. So what are your thoughts? Are you disappointed? I am I am a little sad. Um, I'm also sad, by the way. I'm with you on the sad. <laughs> I am. I am sad, but I at least I'm happy that you kind of like read the rest of the story synopsis and are you know and still think it's like good sort of sci-fi because it is. And like, oh, I think it's I think it's great. Let me be clear, it is great sci-fi. Yeah, and like the other thing, I I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but the the other kind of like overarching point of this game is that yeah, it is about like uploading your consciousness. It's about like what happens whenever you die like where does your brain live you know where does that consciousness live but the other the other big point of this game is the fact that you're in an underwater research facility because a meteor hit the earth and basically all life died out so everybody who was in this research facility they're like basically trying to save humanity by uploading their minds it's almost like the matrix it's like they're putting their minds into this computer program and then they want to launch like the computer like the chip or whatever into space and hope that like maybe either somebody will recover them or maybe somebody will be able to like aliens or something will be able to like see them as like an archive for humanity or something like that and it's just it really has this really intense grim feeling about the whole thing because you are you're one of the last human consciousnesses left alive on the planet and uh, and this is another, I know we did a spoiler alert but this is another big spoiler alert really late in the game you actually meet the last human left on earth and it is incredibly heartbreaking like when you meet this person and you see what state they're in and then how you leave them um really really sad super grim super heartbreaking but in all the ways that make storytelling really really incredible and really deep and really meaningful and this is also one of the very few games where the ending is so oh my god i'm just like even just reading it i was like uh, i got i like teared up dude like yeah. it was so good even reading a fucking wikipedia synopsis <laughs> i was like damn that's amazing that's so good like i i dig it yeah. i fucking dig it and is, that's what's heartbreaking yeah. that's what's heartbreaking because I, I want them to tell the story, right? I want, because the story is what's good. Dodging the monsters, that is not what's good about this game. <laughs> Being in dark hallways, that is not what's good about this game. These guys, like, hit it out of the park with this awesome script and this awesome concept and great characters. Like, I love the characters, too. And I'm like, fuck, will you just tell the story, please? Because I hate looking in dark hallways, flipping switches to get past the gate. It's so boring. I fucking hated it. But I love your story. Like, oh, it broke my heart, dude. It was so sad. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the few games that, like, as soon as, like, the the ending kind of cut to black and the credits started rolling, the first time I played it, I just, like, sat there and cried whenever the credits are rolling. And it's probably, like, that and maybe, maybe like, Silent Hill 2 and maybe um, the day after June, or the last day of June, I'm sorry. Last day of June, yeah. Are, are some of the few games that the endings pack such an incredible punch that I just, like, wept as soon as they were over. Um 
And I mean, and I played, I played this game whenever it first came out on PS4. So I did the whole, you know, monster scenario and then they patched it years later. And, and full disclosure, I reviewed this on, I reviewed the safe mode on Xbox one years after it came out. I cannot remember if I, re I don't think I reviewed the original version on Game Critics, but, um, but I did play it and I've talked about it on Game Critics podcast before. Um, so like, cause you know, even if I had had the safe mode available to me the first time I played it, I probably still would have played the original mode because I think, I think that the, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I, you know, I'm the scary guy and the scary game guy here and you're not. So I think that having sort of like the monsters in the scenarios gives the game a little bit more of like an edge. It makes it a little more scary. I mean, obviously a lot more scary, um, but it's, I should, I want to note that even if you play the not safe mode um there's not monsters constantly stalking you in the game like there's no no there's areas you're in where there's like a certain monster and you kind of have to get through this whole like research area and then you're kind of released into a new area where you're a little bit safer and then you get to another area and there's like another monster and so it kind of goes back and forth between like it's it's pretty segmented and it's pretty obvious when you're like in a danger zone which yeah. is one of the things that i kind of didn't like about it because like i felt like you could like surgically remove those and it would just make <laughs> the whole game better yeah, and see, um, and I kind of, I kind of liked that because I, if the entire game was something haunting you or something lurking in the shadows, I think that would have been a little bit too much, too much for me. Too yeah, much. so yeah. I like that it kind of had the moments of danger and the moments of not danger. And playing the safe mode after the fact, I think that because I knew what playing the danger mode was like, that I had a better, uh, maybe like a, somewhat of a better appreciation for it because the game still creeped me the fuck out on safe mode because I remember like the trauma of hiding around these corners with this like loud clanky robot that was running up and down these hallways. And something that is really fascinating is that whenever you're playing in the danger mode, if a monster catches up with you or if it, if it gets you or whatever, um, you don't die, but it'll kind of like push you over and knock you out. And then you wake up in just like a slightly different area of that environment but the other, the fascinating thing on top of that is that this is one of the few games I've ever played where if you get knocked over enough times, you will die and it'll be a game over. But I think you can sustain like, I don't know, three hits or something. And every time you get injured, his vision, because he's kind of like a robot. So like his camera vision blurs a little bit more and he gets like chromatic aberration around the edges of stuff in the environment. And it's a really fascinating mechanic because it's almost like you don't realize that his vision is getting bad until you get to an area where you can, there's like areas where you can heal yourself. And whenever you heal, his vision kind of clears up and you're like, oh wow, like I was kind of in bad shape then. And it's just like that, having that visual component element of being able to get injured and sort of like seeing the degradation of his sight and his sort of psyche because of that, I think is a really fascinating um, thing that you don't really get to experience in safe mode um, but that being said, when I played safe mode, I still thought it was wonderful. And I think the game really works. I'm really sad to hear you say that you felt like it was too kind of too mazy and kind of beat around the bush too much for you to be able to like get right to the point. Because like, I, I, I know that you like want to give up on this game, but I would really just like implore you to finish it because the ending, the last like hour, oh my God. And that just, I'm sure oh it's my great. God, dude. It's I mean, so even reading good. the summary, it's it was great. so I mean, good. I'm tempted, man. I'm really tempted because I really want that experience. But Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> you don't know how much I hate being lost in dark hallways. I just I hate dark games on principle. And like this is a really dark game. It's very dark. And I just I mean, I just there's uh, just wa wandering in circles in dark hallways feels like such a colossal waste of my time when it's not really leading towards anything. 
it's just like so I can find this switch to flip so I can open this door and it just feels like oh my god like this is like so worthless please get back to the good stuff but we're almost out of time before we run out of time I think this is a very 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 interesting game I may come back to it later at some point in the future I'm not going to play it right now um, I'm going to keep what I got with my half experience plus Wikipedia but I think this is a perfect um, bookend with the Talos Principle. Now, you never played the Talos Principle, did you? I didn't, but I've asked you, like, several times if you think I should buy it when it's been on sale on PC, and you say no every time. <laughs> I, I do not think you will get through it. I don't think you would like it, but this is the perfect yin to the Talos Principle's yang, because they both tell really, really cool stories about transhumanism. They both raise, like, the issues of existence. What does it mean to be a person? Um, you know, where do you draw that line? But in the Talos Principle, um, you have puzzles. Like, there's tons of puzzles. There's no combat. There's no... Nothing that can really kill you, although you can get, like, reset on a puzzle. Like, maybe a laser will zap you or something, and you got to start over. But, like, there's no combat or anything. You're not running away from anything, really. It's just, like, rooms of puzzles and tons of puzzles. Like, it's, like, 20 hours of puzzles, which is interesting because, for me... And this is kind of one thing that I alluded to before the show, where I, like... This is going to really show the difference between me and you, because where you like the walking around, reading documents, kind of experiencing the atmosphere. Like, that makes sense to me that you would really like uh, Soma because that's what it does best. That is, really not my jam, like, not my basket, right? But in the Talos Principle, there was always, like, a puzzle to work on, and they're always, like, really active, and there's lots of things to do, and it kind of keeps you, like, quote-unquote, like, busier, and it feels like the stuff that you're doing is maybe a little bit more meaningful in terms of, like, the mechanics of what you're doing. So even though Talos Principle is, like, twi at least, like, twice as long as Soma, I found it like way more engaging. And I think that's really the difference because I, I would be shocked if you could make your way through Talos Principle. I don't think you would, I would ever never, get through it. I would never. I, I don't, I don't think you would. <laughs> and it is like, it is puzzle the game. Like you would never get through it. <laughs> but it's so fascinating because the story in the Talos Principle is also fucking awesome. It is an awesome story that tells very similar things that Soma does. And like, again, just like Soma, when you get to the end, it's fucking incredible. Like, it's so good. Like, it, it all comes together. The writers did such a strong job. The ending was one where I totally sat back and just like watched it for just like a minute and it didn't turn my console off because I was kind of like absorbing it. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that was like so fucking transcendent. It was like amazing. Like, I'm so glad that I got through the Talos Principle. So worth it. Like, it was so good. And I, run it, I, I really feel like Soma is in that same basket. I feel like these guys are like, you know, kids separated at birth, you know, and one <laughs> went one way, the other one went the other way. So I, I am really tempted to come back to Soma. I, don't, I, I can't do it right now. I just I got to get out of those hallways. I got to get out of the darkness. <laughs> I can't do that. But for people listening, um, these two things, I think, are probably some of the best sci-fi games told in the last 10 years. Um, reading just the Wikipedia, I thought Soma was awesome. The story was awesome. I really have much respect for the story. And I can speak from experience that the Talos Principle is fucking awesome. If you can put up with the puzzles, that is a tremendous story. Um, so there are two things, you know, two two sides of the same coin, I think. So if you're on Corey's team, go play Soma. If you're on my team, go play Talos Principle. If you're in the middle, play them both. Uh, or at least, yeah, I mean, ch check one of them out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I may, I may come back to it. I really want to, even though I know what happens, I still kind of want to experience it. But, oh, I get out of those hallways, man. I like how in this show we had the yin and yang of 1980X and Ruiner, and then we have the yin and yang of Soma and the Talos Principle. This was a good balance. This episode came together really, really well, <laughs> inadvertently, on accident, but I think we brought it together. So um, I don't have anything else to say. Any last comments on Soma, uh, Corey, before we move on? Um, I don't think so, other than if you haven't played it, for the love of God, please try it, people. It's so good. 
Yeah, that's right. I've I played all we've played all the sci-fi on this on this podcast. I think between me and Corey, we have played literally every noteworthy sci-fi game in the last ten years. Uh, that is at like Soma is at the top. Even though I didn't like how it played, the story is at the top. So definitely give that a shot if you haven't already. Turn on the safe mode and maybe you can power through it. Maybe you won't get as lost as I did. So anyway, this brings us to the end of the show. As promised, super short episode. Apologies for that, but better a short show than no show at all. Thank you folks for listening. We'll be back next week and hopefully with a regular sized episode. Hopefully our schedules will allow. Uh, I will also say before we wrap up, we are still giving away more games uh, on hand. We have PS4, Xbox One, Switch, or PC. Literally, I've just got these games sitting here, just codes and codes and codes. Not kidding. I'm not going to play them. I can't even give them away. Just ask for one. If you want one, tell me what system you want. Send in an email. Just say, hey, Brad, I heard the show. I would like a, I would like a, a code. Give me a PS4 code, Xbox, Switch, whatever, whatever you want. I will give you a code for free. That's all you got to do. All you got to do. Might be good. Might be awful. But either way, it's going to be free. The email is the same address where you send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. So video games podcast at gmail.com. One email address does it all. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com when the show goes up there. We are on Twitter as a show collectively at So Video Games. And you can reach us individually. I am on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Corey, where can people find you on social media? I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My username is also my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent, excellent. I got a dash, and that is it for us. But thank you, folks, for listening. Thanks for joining us for another So Video Games. Uh, like I said earlier, no banter this week. Apologies for that. It's just uh, this is the entire show. Uh, but we will see you uh, next time. In the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week.